Hi, and happy whatever week this is of February. I are we all are we over the new year? I'm trying to understand and wrap my brain around how it's whatever week this is of February, and I realize now that we're in this we are deep deep inside this like transitional like we are done with the holidays everybody the holiday ship has sailed and now we're in that weird sort of like very blurred and gray time of the year where the winter is no longer welcomed but at the same time we all know that we need the moisture but also tomorrow it'll be march and then it'll be the summertime and the kids will be out of school and amen that's where I'm at. <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning, um, who is also a, was a, a single, a single mom for a very large portion of her children's lives, similarly to the age of my children. Maddox is just over a year and a half. Scarlett is about five and a half years old and good, good gracious. <laughs> like, so man, y'all, I'm like not a stay at home parent anymore. And outside of that, I have a kid that's in the public school system. And, you know, we were just kind of talking about how one minute you kind of get a leg up on, you know, like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. This is like the consistency and the normalcy. And then, and then it all changes. And I also remember having a conversation with one of my very best friends when Maddox was an infant and we were like, you know, going through these like monumental feeding issues and it felt like the sky was falling every waking moment. And I mean, that was like kind of how she leveled with me was like, this shit sucks so bad right now. And also it's going to be, it's going to be gone and it's going to be over. And you would think that this podcast was really about <laughs> like time and how time isn't real. And the amount of times that I have referenced, like, where am I? And what is, what is time I hate to break it to y'all, but um, this is supposed to be like a food and lifestyle podcast, and here we are talking about time <laughs> again. But, but seriously, there's also this trend and this theme of, um, you know, like talking about some of the tough shit and talking about how we're tired as a collective. And man, life changes so quickly and you know, I am going to do my damnedest to cling to the idea that this shit is so temporary. I mean, all of it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not going to get all like Pema Chodron on you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's, you can find all their content elsewhere, but for real, the idea of like permanence or like, you know, this is permanent or my kids at these age or, you know, being overwhelmed in the kitchen or losing steam, you know, on what to make for dinner or I don't want to pack another lunch this week. 
this shit is all this shit is all so temporary and none of it is permanent. And if you can find a teeny tiny bit of comfort in that, God bless you. I hope that you do in in similar ways that I have had to do that this week. I actually, ironically enough, I feel, you know, I've I've always been on top of my parenting game. You know what I'm saying? Like with the with the appointments and the schedules and I got to get them to here and then there's the dentist and there's the doctor and swimming lessons and blah. And surprise, you know, I thought that my kid was only out of school for conference day one day this week and then I got a text message. God bless him because what parents did before text messages and emails in regards to keeping your shit straight, I don't know. But there I was getting ready for bed on Tuesday night and it was like, "Hey, see you next Tuesday." And I was like, "Oh. Oh my god." Also, what am I going to feed this kid for lunch all week long? I'm like, "Have another peanut butter and jelly sandwich." Anyways, where I'm going with that again is uh, for every email or like, you know, DM that I receive that's like, you're so inspiring. You know, I know that you have a lot going on, but you seemingly really keep it all together. Uh, I don't even know when my kid is out of school, y'all. So, uh, and thank God that somebody that we love made us soup and delivered it to us because otherwise it really would have been yet another peanut butter and jelly because the days, and if you listen to the beginning of this podcast, like episode one, we talk a lot about like relinquishing control in regards to like really nailing, you know, all the, the meals that we prepare for the people that we love and the people that we have to care for our families, whatever, (sighs) find you a snack plate. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, y'all better scroll on back to some of those earlier episodes because you will find snack plates abound. Anyways, enough of that. Let's get into her. Hi, I love listening to you during my drive and often wish the episodes were longer. Thank you for that. I think your voice is soothing and I'm wondering what you like to listen to on your drives. Bonus points if it's also food related. Well, 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 you've come to the right place, but only kind of. Hilariously enough, I don't actually listen to a ton of food podcasts. I absolutely fell in love with Home Cooking by Samin Nostrat. And when that like was no longer a thing, I got real sad. <laughs> Period. End of story. I'm never listening to another food-centered po- podcast ever again. That's not true. But also, damn. I, I really miss that podcast and I love that podcast for so many reasons. Here's the deal. Number one, I listen to a lot of music. Music is like very important to my everyday. I can't, if you know anything about me, you know that there is always music on, not just in my home, but also in my car. Rarely do I listen to audiobooks, but there are a handful that I do And as time goes on, no pun intended in reference to time, I do find myself searching out more audiobooks, literally just from a logistics standpoint. Um, I have very much been in the camp of like, 
I want a book. I want like a, you know, like a paperback or a hard, I want to smell it. I want, and then you become a parent and you're like, how am I going to keep this kid on my boob or like hold a bottle in their mouth or rock the, and like also hold a book. So then you're like, cool. I didn't really want to resort to another like screen, but here we are. And now I'm like, I have to have both hands free, you know, to drive or to roll out dough for the bakery. So I am also on the audiobook train. One of my favorite things to listen to in regards to audiobooks are like food, food centered, mostly food memoir. Some of my favorite Toast by Nigel Slater. I know that I've referenced that book several times. Uh, also has like a really lovely and soothing voice. And I love listening to him. Uh, Gabrielle Hamilton. Blood, Bones, and Butter is such a gorgeous piece of work anyways. But, and I read that book cover to cover so many times. And then years later, after I hadn't picked it up, I listened to the audio version and it was chef's kiss. Can't recommend that more. Um, Molly Weisenberg, who did A Homemade Life and then Delancey and then Fix Stars, which is not food related, uh, the first two are, she has a really lovely, uh, narrating voice. And so I hope that that helps you. I'm sorry that I don't have more food related podcasts. You would think so. And also if you have not listened to home cooking, start there. I find Samin to be relatable and hilarious and also soothing. And one of the biggest compliments that I have ever received in regards to just as a whole, but specifically this podcast is that, uh, yours and butter is reminiscent to that. Amen. Um, in fact, it actually prompted me to collect a start a folder of things that, you know, people have either done for me or said to me, or, you know, like a review that I've gotten from my bakery, or if I've published an article or whatever the case may be, I do my best to keep this all in line and stash it. And, um, man, I love looking back, but that is high, high at the top of that list is when I received that compliment. So food podcast, not so much. Thank you so much for your feedback. Um, I get mixed messages. You know, some people are like, I love that it's like around the 30 minute mark. It's great if it goes a little bit longer. You know, some people have requested an hour. This podcast is so new that if you are listening to it and you do love it and you have feedback, let a girl know. And as always, most of these questions come from, you know, being emailed to me directly. Uh, you can find me at yoursandbutter at gmail.com. You can always send me a DM. I am on Instagram at Ava Truckee. Um, some of you are in my food and storytelling Facebook group called Feed Me a Story. So get me, get me your stuff. Get me your feedback. Get me your, continue to get me your questions. But if you have ideas, um, give them to me, I say, pretty please. Anywho, uh, Ebony in Wisconsin wrote, 
Hi, Ava. Thank you for always being so willing to share your side. I'm wanting to start a cottage bakery out of my home, and I'm so overwhelmed by what I need to have in order. So many menus, so much marketing. Did you find it to be challenging to start in your state in regards to proper licensing, etc.? Thank you in advance for your help. Whoo! You are right. It can be super overwhelming, and we could dedicate an entire podcast to starting your own cottage bakery, which if I'm being honest with you, I know that I have put myself out there in ways, you know, where I, I feel inclined and happy to help and share, you know, in regards to my story specifically, I found where I live, either people were really willing and helpful to be super transparent and kind of um, share their ideas and and how they started moving forward. And then on the other side of that, I also found that this world, I'm similarly to to all of the worlds, uh, there was also some folks that were like not warm and didn't want to be helpful. And I think that there's like a fine line between only consuming, right? Like, can you Google it? Can you... Can you pay somebody to help you? But for me, and because I feel like I have connected in ways with my community and I have found so much strength and direction and help in general from my community that I am absolutely and will always be willing to to give you what I got. Know that I am... When I say that I'm not a professional, I, I mean, I'm not a professional consultant. Um, I can I can tell it to you straight. I can tell you what worked and what didn't. But also, I do think that there is a need for more conversation around this because of kind of the state that we live in, uh, the state of the world. A lot of people are, you know, doing what they need to do in terms of thinking outside of the box and like, what, you know, whether that's a side hustle, whether that's a, how can I work for myself or, um, you know, the, the reality is, is that my situation, you know, and, and being a newly single parent and while also being an entrepreneur in many ways and owning a small business, et cetera, um, I still have care as of right now, you know, Maddox is in daycare, Scarlett is in kindergarten, Um, but I know that that has not been, you know, whether that's daycare centers being shut down or remote learning and just like, fuck me, I, this is hard enough. That is, that is not something that I had to experience. Maddox was an infant and Scarlett was going to a very part-time preschool at the time when things did originally get shut down, that that wasn't such a shock to my system, you know, but now people are trying to do these nine to fives while caring for small children at home full time. And like, yeah, it makes sense. And so if I can be of service in this way, or if, if anybody else is listening and wants to connect in this way, if this is helpful or meaningful to you, please again, let me know. And, and we can, we can, we can make a whole ass episode about this, but sorry, 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 sorry. Segwaying, um, to get right to it. I think that it is most important to streamline your menu, your offerings, 
Okay. It is so easy, right? Like we want to appeal to all the masses. When I first started, it was like two hand pie flavors, two scone flavors, um, every single week that rotated. And then, you know, but what about coffee cake? What about cookies? Um, you know, also there's like the biscuits and the vegan biscuits. And, you know, I felt compelled to, you know, reach out to my gluten-free folks and I wanted to be of service to them as well. And then, you get two or three weeks into that pattern, into that cycle, and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? You got to dial it down. Figure out what your niche is. You know, I, I as much as I wanted to be able to offer somehow, some way, a, a gluten-free option, it, it was something that I tested. It's something that I didn't love. Therefore, I no longer offer it. That said, you know, I, I did have the opportunity and, and the willingness and the desire to experiment with some vegan things. Also, uh, veganism is, you know, like pretty of the norm, you know, or dairy free where I live here in Denver. And so that made sense. And also I can make that make sense for my business. What are you best at? And if you are doing this alone, what is going to make the most sense? While also understanding that if you have an affinity for <clears throat> perfectionism, you know, or putting yourself or making everybody happy, right? You have to start being really honest with yourself about what's sustainable in the long run, okay? Because having 15 different menu items is not, that's not the move. <laughs> okay, I promise you it's not. So please start there. Please start there. Also, you know, I don't know what it looks like to you in terms of startup cost, but I do think that it bodes well if you can... <clears throat> You know, have enough upfront where you can invest in somebody that can do some of your graphic design work. One of my great friends, uh, Laura Marie Russo, who owns Yay Graphic Design, has done all of my uh, logo and graphic design and web design. And that has made such a huge difference in terms of what I can focus on, what I am good at. While also supporting another, you know, small women owned business to handle the things that I am. When I tell you that I am not tech savvy, that's not a, that's not a jab at myself. I assure you that I'm not being hard on myself. When I say that I'm not tech savvy, I mean, we're talking, I don't even know where to start y'all. Okay. I mean, we're talking like, how do I reset my password? Okay, it's not that bad, but you see where I'm getting, okay? You see where I'm going with this? It's not good. And the time that it would take, you know, your time is money, so please also don't forget that, okay? If you're spending 20 hours a week trying to, like, make menus and graphics and house them somewhere, and can you build out a WordPress site? Look, there's lots of people that have made their own websites, and kudos to them, okay? It's also taken me like the better part of two weeks to try to do that at some point. And again, as a, as a mother, as a, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, no, thank you. I'm going to invest in that part so that I can focus on the things that I'm actually good at, which is running my mouth on this podcast and making biscuits, y'all. Okay. 
I do not know, you know, rules and regulations of every single state. What I can tell you is that as far as I know, uh, Denver, Colorado as a whole, um, has some of the most straightforward and easy to navigate, you know, sort of requirements in order to have a cottage bakery. Okay. And for those of you that are listening, that are like, what the fuck is a cottage bakery? This is something that is operated strictly out of your home. Meaning you're not going to a commissary at all. You are, you know, everything is prepped, packaged and sold from your house. Um, aside from like, if you were to do a market, et cetera, the only thing that was required in order for me to be, you know, copacetic with the state of Colorado was to essentially attend a like food safety handling course that I did through a local university here. I was able to do it online. It was very reasonable. I want to say it was approximately a five hour course. I had to do it one time, the end. Um, And that said, you also, you know, will have to connect with your state specifically on what is allowed, you know? So like here, you cannot sell things out of your home that, you know, have meat or whatever, you know, or, um, for example, uh, cream cheese frosting is actually not something that is considered, you know, underneath the what meets requirements for certain foods, right? Because it's essentially the, you can't guarantee that we'll always be shelf stable enough. Are you following? So there are weird, quirky kind of things that are going to be super state specific. Here's the deal. It was, and continues to be my bakery, Buttermoon Bake Co was like, absolutely one of the best ideas that I ever had. And it has like gotten me to where I am today. That's not to say that it's been easy. It is not. There are so many variables. There are, you know, so so many things, how how logistically that you have to work out what's going to make sense for you um, and how much time you want to put into it, you know? So again, my, my top three things are like you said, the menu, scale it on down. You can always add more. Okay. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is that you're going to sell out and people are going to be like, damn, have you ever considered making a peanut butter cookie? You know what I'm saying? Like that's the worst that's going to happen. Whereas if you have this huge menu, okay, we're talking like cheesecake factory style menus here. And you, then you only bake like one or two you know, out of, then you're left over with all this product that you have to like freeze or store or whatever, figure out how you're going to get rid of it. Start there and then figure out what's really important to you and figure out like where your time can be best spent. And if it looks like how it looked for me and that you can outsource, you know, somebody else to kind of do some of that web and like tech stuff for you, boy, how do you do that? Because I can't recommend it anymore. I hope that that was helpful. Connect with either one of your local universities or simply Google, like, you know, and I'm sure that you've done this, Cottage Bakery, Wisconsin, um, and start there. And then aside from this episode, you're always welcome to connect with me 
outside of here again. And I will do, I'll do the best that I can to help you. <clears throat> Man, that just like brought up so many, so many of those early memories of <laughs> Buttermoon. I actually will like, I still have in my phone to this day, like a list of, um, like possible names for the bakery, possible menus. And I like to go back and reference that when I am feeling like, you know, I haven't done enough or I haven't put in enough or I'm not as far along as I want to be, or I should have done this. I go back and I look at that and I'm like, fucking A, your menu list could be like 15 items deep and you could be pulling your hair out over that and still trying to navigate that part. So... Let's not. <laughs> oh, man. Katie in New Mexico wrote, Ava, a friend of mine recommended yours and butter to me after explaining the, quote, shamble mountain, end quote, reference that you use often. So funny and relatable. I wish I didn't relate to it as much as I do sometimes. But hearing you be lighthearted about some of your struggles helps me to feel less alone. I'm learning how to bake simple things like no-need bread and biscuits. I am not a baker, but I have found it to be relaxing and a nice way to unwind after a day of work. Can you make other approachable recommendations for a novice baker? Man, y'all are just like making me go right on back to the beginning times, to the before times. <laughs> I um and I know that I've talked about this on, on this podcast, but the irony is that I too was never a baker. In fact, I never liked to bake. It wasn't that I just didn't bake. It was literally like, I don't like baking. I'm not going to bake. Please God put me, you know, if it was like a potluck or whatever, I'm like, y'all better be telling me to bring a side dish. Don't be putting me on dessert because if you're putting me on dessert, y'all are going to get those weird sugar frosted cookies. Y'all know what I'm saying? I don't, that was never my thing. And then similarly to what you're saying about kind of finding these approachable things to, to do for me, it was not necessarily an, it, it, it was to unwind, but it was also a means to like kind of cope and grieve. Um, and I, man, I tell you, just fell head on first into the world of baking. And I'm sure that you already know this, but yes, I started with biscuits and from there, I absolutely. And still continue to this day to do no need bread. I love kneading dough. I now I, I do use a mixer for several things for the bakery because I have to just because of volume. But, you know, when I had just like a, a stand mixer uh, at home, I never used it. I found like the art and the idea of kneading dough to be so soothing and like cathartic. You know what I mean? And like I, we would get like real specific. I'm like, nope, it has to like look this way. And I learned so much about how to handle things in general, right? Like what happens to your dough when it's overhandled? What happens when you're like in that weird, and I, and I'll, I'll never forget doing this with cinnamon roll dough in the beginning, like a sweet roll dough of being like, 
either this shit is overmixed or it's undermixed and I can't fucking tell and I'm getting so frustrated. So just let me take a beat. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to need it a couple more times and then we're going to see where we're at. But it really did. I mean, it was such a lesson in in patience and giving myself time and like really getting to this sweet spot of like understanding what something should actually look like. Right. And the way that my brain thinks, and I think that this is why, and I continue to love cooking as much as I do is there's so much creative freedom. Right. And that that's not to say that there's not the same creative freedom with baking but there are lessons to be learned and there are lessons to be had. And again, I'm not saying that that's not the case in cooking, okay? Because obviously there is. If you're trying to brighten something and you end up pouring like a shitload of vinegar or lemon juice in something, you're going to learn the hard way that your marinara should not taste like red wine vinegar. Am I telling you this because I have learned from experience? Lower your voice to me. But do you know what I'm saying? It's like I... And I remember being in the beginning, like, nope, nope, got to use the mixer, like, you know, faster, time efficient, blah. And I'm not like, I'm not beating up anybody that uses a stand mixer. Okay. Please don't come for me over this. My point is, is that I find it very relatable and yes, like getting to know doughs and how they work. I also found to be soothing on that note, cinnamon rolls. There is something about a cinnamon roll that is like nothing says Sunday morning like a cinnamon roll says. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just, there's not. Cinnamon roll, Sunday morning, they go hand in hand. Somebody write a book about it. That's the end of the story. Not only do you get like the the dough experience, you know what I'm like with the kneading and the resting and the blah, but then like filling and cutting, especially if you are cutting them with floss, there are a few things in life that are as rewarding as that, and I cannot recommend it enough. Make cinnamon rolls if you have not done so already, because it is transcending. <laughs> the other thing that I really liked baking, um, aside from, and I made a lot of no-need dough, was muffins, actually. And ironically enough, I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago because I haven't made muffins in forever. And I love them because they are also super versatile. Um, I don't know if you have gotten into the world of sourdough and sourdough starter, but that was always really fun to use discard was, you know, like the discard for my sourdough starter to make muffins. And I went on like some crazy kick, you know, I was like turning out a couple different kinds a week, just kind of experiment. Cause that's one of those things that can be really forgiving, right. And in, in terms of like, Oh, maybe I just should have scaled back the amount of fruit. But like, once you have a real solid muffin base, also scones, which I do for my bakery, which are like, again, you have like a basic, I have a couple of different bases depending on the scone that I'm doing, but then it's so nice to be able to like interchange and like, you know, manipulate kind of the end result in terms of what the consistency and texture is going to be like. So also scones, you know, muffins, Cinnamon rolls are going to be like a little bit more labor intensive, but I feel like it is a really nice sort of like entryway to some project baking stuff. 
But scones and muffins, man, especially if you're already making biscuits, so easy. I mean, you can like bust out a batch of either one of those things in like under 30 minutes. Start there for sure. And also keep going because I just feel like you, you will never know where that takes you. And I don't know specifically if you cook or if you cook a lot now, but I know that, you know, shelving this idea of being like a shamble mountain baker or just straight up not baking. Like once I shelved that, I found that I actually became a better cook overall. So I'm curious to hear what your experience is. Thanks for hanging out with me again this week, y'all. I'll catch up with you next. Bye.